Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. And now for something completely different. Hello and welcome in to another episode of the Get Cocky Podcast, part of the Gamecock Central Podcast Network. I'm your host, Pearson Fowler, and we've got a great show for you all today. Coming up in just a few, I'm going to talk with former South Carolina quarterback Michael Skarnecchia about what to expect from Ryan Helensky in his second SEC road start, what Carolina needs to do to make it a close game, and what it's like playing between the hedges. First, though, I want to remind you guys to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. And if you have, then thank you. Also, be sure to share it with your friends if you uh, think that's something they would enjoy. We really appreciate it, and it helps us out a lot. So, Carolina is a 25 or 24 and a half point underdog this weekend against Georgia, which is not great. Uh, as a quick aside, Georgia was a 24 and a half point favorite last weekend against Knoxville. So Carolina fans can extrapolate from that and probably expect to be about a field goal favorite against Tennessee and Knoxville in a couple weeks. I think I did that math right. So if if on a neutral field, Georgia is a 27 point favorite against Tennessee and a 22-and-a-half-point favorite against Carolina on a neutral field, then you give Tennessee two-and-a-half for being at home against Carolina. I think that's about right. Anyway, point is, Georgia's really good, and even with the advanced metrics being kind to Carolina, despite being two-and-three, as Will Helms and I talked about on Monday, it's more than a long shot for Carolina to pull out this upset. And when I say long shot, I mean Carolina's been a 24-point underdog or more six times since 1998, which is as far back as I could find lines, and they're 0-6 straight up in that game's. I mean, it's, it's 24 and a half points. I guess the good news, if you're looking for an angle, they're five and one against the spread. This is, though, this week is the anniversary of the Alabama week when Carolina upset Alabama back in 2010. Everyone was saying, oh, it's it's this Alabama game. It's you know They're going to do the same thing they did nine years ago. Well, it was actually th- around this time nine years ago. So if you're looking to channel the mojo, again, if, I'm, if you're just looking for angles, five and one against the spread, and this is the Alabama week. But it's so funny because that game is, has taken on such a mystical quality. And... I mean, understandably so. They were the number one team in the country. They had won whatever it was, 19 in a row, and it was a huge deal. But that spread wasn't even double digits. I think it was like seven and a half or eight and a half, something like that. Uh, the best I can tell, and talking to people and just kind of going back, looking through the record books, the closest Carolina's come to pulling off an upset like this Saturday would be as a 24 and a half point underdog or 25 point underdog was the 1981 North Carolina game, which was in Chapel Hill. Although I can't find a line on that game, I've had a couple people say that it, you know, would have been close like 17 or 20 or something like that i think north carolina was undefeated at that point carolina was maybe four and three um some of you some of you listening probably know in which case uh, please let me know uh, other interesting notes about that 1981 season since i was just since i was hanging out there looking at looking around and seeing what was up with that season uh they did play georgia in athens that year and clemson was ranked number two when they met at the end of the season so carolina could play georgia in athens this year and play a number two clemson team at the end of this season so I guess the only question is, will they have an upset as big as that North Carolina upset back in 1981? Remains to be seen. Um, okay, no, but this is this is kind of dumb. If we're actually going to do this, 
here's basically what has to happen for Carolina to win this football game. And I actually feel kind of dumb even doing this part of it because Carolina is not going to win the game. And I feel less optimistic about even their ability to cover the spread in this game than I did against Alabama, mostly because it's in Athens, I think. And this is a Georgia team without, without any holes, but if we're going to do it, if we're going to play this out, because I mean, that, that is the point of it. And you do have to play the games. I've had several people hit me on my local show. It's like, oh, well, then they should just forfeit the game. And it's like, no, but just don't expect Carolina to win. And the only reason I say I feel dumb doing this is because you just have to go through so many things and jump through so many hoops in terms of they need to win the turnover margin and the rushing battle and blah, 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 blah. It's just it's just so much. It's like everything has to go right for Carolina. A lot of things have to go wrong for Georgia. But if, if you look at this Georgia team, they beat Carolina by 24 last year in Williams Bryce. It was 41 to 17. It it felt like the game was worse than that. And I think it was. I think it could have been a lot worse than that had Georgia kept its foot on the gas. But if you look and say, okay, well, they won by 24 in Columbia last year, and both teams have gotten better this year. I think Carolina's probably gotten uh, more better to use some bad grammar, just because they had a lot more room to get better than Georgia did, obviously, as an excellent team last year. But the one thing you look at and say, realistically, this is a downgrade for Georgia from last year to this year, is perimeter playmaking. And the unfortunate reality is that's probably just going to end up being a luxury against Carolina. Maybe that's what will get them beat against Alabama or LSU or Ohio State, not having, you know, Mikko Hardman and Isaac Nauta and Terry Godwin and uh, who was the other guy? Uh, Riley Ridley on that team. Like they had a ton of those those playmakers. Now maybe Jake Fromm's you know marginal improvement this year makes up for a marginal downgrade in, in the wide receivers. But you know that's that's the kind of stuff that gets you beat against the best of the best when those games themselves are very marginal. Maybe that's why some of the national pundits aren't as high on Georgia as I am. But you know by and large they haven't really missed those guys because like I said Fromm's been a little bit better and they've been able to run all over everybody and their defense has been excellent so against Carolina it's it's unlikely that that will come back to bite them it seems like this will be a game that they're able to take control now there are some interesting wrinkles here like Carolina's defensive front is going to be one of the better ones that Georgia has seen this year I still believe in their offensive line because it's unbelievable and it's huge and even South Carolina playing better on the defensive line and the best defensive line Georgia's seen to this point is Notre Dame and they still ran for 152 or 153 yards in that game so that I don't know if that's enough of, of like a slowing them down for Carolina to, to pull off the upset but that would certainly be the formula for covering again I don't feel good about it but that's sort of the that's what you have to look at in terms of the game plan it has to start up front here's the game plan step one Javon Kinlaw go Super Saiyan 3 and become the best and not just one of the best but the best freaking defensive tackle in the country. Uh, step two would be Rick Sandage and Kobe Smith have to do the fusion dance and become the best damn running mate that Javon Kinlaw has ever had on the interior. And just as a side note, that I felt compelled to do this using Dragon Ball Z analogies probably gives you an idea of, of like what my frame of mind is going into this game. Step three, Ernest Jones needs to absorb the soul of Jasper Brinkley and Sky Moore's baby. Step four, with sufficient ammunition to combat Georgia's 250 yards per game rushing attack, Carolina then needs to make Jake Fromm throw the ball 45 times, you know, maybe even get after him a little bit. He's only been sacked one time this year, so I don't know if that's actually even possible. But all of that is aided by or would be aided by step five, which is Ryan Holinsky playing like he did against Alabama, Rico continuing to run like he has all season and actually being completely healthy, and Steve Spurrier using a time machine to go back to like 1995 or six and then come to Athens and just call plays once Carolina gets into the red zone. Step six, profit. But in all seriousness, 
Like I said earlier, Carolina needs career performances from multiple guys on both sides of the ball just to limit Georgia's effectiveness on the ground to put the game in Fromm's hands, which, by the way, he's plenty good enough to win like that. Last year in the SEC Championship, he was absolutely incredible. There's no reason to think that he wouldn't do that again, unless you say, well, that's where not having as good a receiver sort of comes into play. Offensively, Carolina has to be opportunistic with any mistakes that Georgia makes. And the mistake doesn't have to just be a turnover. I mean, that could be a busted coverage or a bad punt. Any opportunity, Carolina has to be opportunistic, which they have not been this year. But that doesn't mean they haven't created those chances. They just haven't been able to take advantage of them. Carolina will get one or two chances to bust a big play on offense early or a punt return or something like that to get the crowd out of the game, to get some belief on that Carolina sideline to really boost the morale of the team. If they don't hit both of them, all of them, then this game is probably going to be over. I'm not sure if covering the spread in this game is necessarily the right litmus test either um, because I think there are scenarios where Carolina can cover the spread and I end up feeling worse about this game going forward because identity has been a little bit of a buzzword around here the last couple weeks. But if Carolina establishes their identity in this Georgia game and says, hey, we're going to commit to the run and commit to stopping the run, but they still lose like 45 to 20 because Fromm has his first 300-yard game of the season and Georgia just stonewalls the run and puts the game in Helensky's hand and, and gets after him. And then, you know, Helensky, because he's a freshman and he's playing arguably the best team in the country, doesn't have a great game. I think that's okay. And the alternative where Georgia runs for 300 yards and Rico and Tavian have fewer than 20 combined carries, I think that's a much darker timeline for the Gamecock. So I think this game is about identity. And maybe I'm just being dumb, but that's kind of how I feel about this game. It's it's all it's all kind of contextual because if Carolina were 2 and 3 because through 5 games of the season, they had been very stubborn in their ded- dedication to a, a specific philosophy, especially offensively, I, I think I would feel the other way. But right now, I'm just looking for this coaching staff to show more stubbornness, to prove its willingness to adapt and to maximize its own strengths instead of just responding to an opponent's game plan. So when you're looking for margins, again, I don't think it's necessarily covering the spread. I think this team needs to show I think it's these this team needs to show growth and confidence in its ability to do what it does well. Again, maybe this is stupid because you you don't want to just do something that you're good at if it's something that the opponent's also good at. Like, if Carolina's great at running the ball and Georgia's selling out to stop the run, yeah, you have to throw the ball. It doesn't make any sense to run into eight-man eight man boxes for the entire game. But I guess I just don't want to see this team roll over and concede everything that Georgia is trying to give Carolina. If Carolina's not going to win this game, and, and the fan base and the coaches, and I guess we in the media, are sort of looking for signs of progress, signs of growth, it, if Carolina's going to get rolled over, I, I think it would be much better for the team going forward to probably get rolled playing their game as opposed to getting out of sorts and to end up playing Georgia's game. If there is any universe where Carolina can can put its print on this game, even if they lose just because they're not as good a football team, I, I think I think that is that would be a sign of progress. Again, maybe that is measured by covering the spread. Maybe it's not. It seems like if Carolina does do those things, if it has a relatively even margin in terms of time of possession if they don't get outrushed by 75 or 100 or 150 yards those things that i think are part of the team's identity and need to be part of the team's identity maybe that's a uh, you know a good sort of side effect of stubbornly sticking to your guns carolina is not going to be able to take everything away from georgia and they're not going to be able to do everything that they want to do on offense 
So instead of trying to, maximize where you feel like your strengths are. If South Carolina really feels like its strength is that defensive line, then you ride with them. You ride or die, and you say, we're stacking the box. We're going to this 4-3 that we heard T-Rob say Carolina was going to use more of, and we're going to slow down the run. And like I said earlier, if Jake Fromm throws for 350 yards and four touchdowns, so be it. We weren't going to be able to stop both of those things anyway. And on offense... If you don't feel like your offensive line can hold up against Georgia's pass rush, if you think that the moment is too big for Ryan Helensky and you don't want to ask him to do too much, don't ask him to do too much. Don't try to do everything on offense. Do well, you know what is comfortable and what you can do. Maximize what you feel like you can reasonably accomplish in this game. That seems like the most realistic goal for South Carolina at this point. Maybe I'm overthinking this whole thing. I'm very curious to see what the game plan is, what the approach is. I hope that it'll be a competitive game. I believe that it could be competitive like the Alabama game for a couple of quarters, but eventually the depth and the talent of Georgia will eventually win out. If Carolina covers, that would be great. But again, I'm looking more for how they play and how they do that. And uh, now coming up to help me figure out what that might look like based on a lot of recent experience is former South Carolina quarterback, the hero of last year's Missouri game, Michael Skarnecchia. Without further ado, here's Mike. All right, on the line with me right now, former South Carolina quarterback, the hero of the Missouri game, Michael Skarnecchia. Mike, I really appreciate you taking some time to uh, help me break down the Georgia game and make some sense out of uh, what this weekend is going to look like. Yeah, thank you for having me on. I would love to discuss this. So where I kind of want to get started, uh, because I, I think this is a, a big part of the conversation, obviously Carolina played Alabama earlier in the year, and I think in general there was more optimism that Carolina could upset Alabama not only because they did it back in 2010, but because they were playing at williams Price. Obviously, this is down between the hedges in Athens. You made several trips down there during your time at South Carolina. Uh, you made a lot of uh, a lot of tough road trips. Y'all played down at LSU. I think that was your sophomore year in 2015. Sophomore. So where does Athens rank in terms of the toughest places that you've played? So I don't think we've ever had a night game there. So I can't say – like, night games are obviously way more energetic than I would say a, a noon game. Um, Athens definitely is going to be a, uh, it's going to be a loud place. It's going to be a crazy environment. Um, honestly, it's probably one of the louder ones. It, it really is. You know, the fans, especially with Georgia being good football right now and playing good football, those fans are going to be there and they're going to be loud. But, um, it, I don't, I wouldn't say it's the scariest environment. There's definitely environments that are very scary or just, you know, more intimidating. I don't think that's the most intimidating one. I think it's just loud. Do you prepare differently when you know you're going to a hostile environment like that as opposed to maybe going to somewhere like Vanderbilt or just playing a home game? Uh, actually, yes. So, you know, with Vanderbilt, um, because they don't bring in a huge fan base, there's not a lot of noise. A lot of it's like you have to get your mind – you have to get yourself mentally ready to go out there and, uh, you know, fight, go out there and go play football because – when you're around a crowd, you can get yourself amped up, and the crowd definitely helps get yourself amped up. Like, it, you allow external factors to help you get, you know, to play better. Um, get your mind right in the game. But when there's no noise and you have to just find or go deep within your mind and pull out the energy that you need that game, you know, that's, you have to prepare differently for that because, um, you know, that self-motivation is what you're going to need when you go to a Vanderbilt or one of those stadiums that are less quiet, where when you're playing at a hostile environment or you're playing at Williams-Brice where the environment's going to be – very loud and there's gonna be a lot of fans there you know you can uh, those outside factors and that fan noise definitely helps you maintain the energy level you need for the whole game so even if it's negative energy it's good for y'all because there is some energy for you to feed on yeah you know i think the players we have are just such competitors 
that they want that negative energy sometimes. Like, it, it fuels because you're like, you know what, I can't wait to shut these fans up or I can't wait to empty these stands. You know, it's a, it's a motivation. It's a different motivation than if you're playing home. So uh, one of the big factors in this game, obviously, is going to be the play of Ryan Helensky. Uh, Carolina's run the ball very well this year. You imagine Georgia's going to be king in on that, and it's going to be on Ryan Helensky to sort of make some throws, loosen up the defense. Uh, through just four starts, I think it's been as it's gone as well as anyone could have expected. Obviously, great starts against Charleston Southern and Alabama. Kentucky didn't yeah. need to do a whole lot, and then there was the kind of shakier start against Missouri where he was also dealing with uh, the elbow injury. But what have you seen from him just through the first four games of his career? I think confidence is the biggest thing. Um, and, and another thing is not overthinking things. He's going out there and he's trusting the game plan, he's trusting his coaching and not trying to do too much. And you see that in his game because he's going through his reads uh, you know, concisely. He's going through them with a, a rap, like a, a time clock in his head. Like he's not staying on something too long. And then a confidence. You don't ever see him really get rattled out there. You know, you see him talking to the team. You see them on the sideline, pumping them up, getting them ready for the next series. Um, and so seeing a, a young guy, especially a freshman, go out there and be a leader and be a guy that, uh, be a guy that the other teammates can look up to, for energy, for positivity, for leadership. It's something I don't often see in a freshman, and it's definitely something special that he has with him. And it's something he needs to carry with him the next, you know, whether it's three or four years. Um, but just those two main qualities are what I've seen that really stand out right now that um, he's, he's showing to everybody. Yeah, that preternatural confidence is, is really cool, and I think a lot of what has Carolina fans excited. Uh, but as a young quarterback, he's obviously going to grow and he's going to improve his game in a lot of ways. Um, when you were a young quarterback, what was – I guess when you were at this point in Ryan Helensky's career, what's sort of the next step that you're looking to make as you piece together your game? Um, the big thing is now, it's not, nothing's mechanical at this point. You know, you can obviously work on your, your strength. You can work on um, your footwork and your throwing motion, but that's just maintaining uh, what you have already. The big thing now, what you got to do throughout the career is learn defenses, master the game plan of the offense, understand why coaches call what they call, understand. Uh, honestly, defensive coverage is the biggest thing. If you know or have a very good idea of what's going to happen before uh, the, the ball is even snapped, you know where to go with that ball. And it takes a lot of the anxiety and pressure away from you that you may be feeling if you have no idea what coverage they're in. And so just mastering the defensive schemes, understand them, understanding how the play we have called fits into um, that, that scheme that the defense is running, knowing where to go. Uh, you know, I would say this, like learn the playbook so well that you know whatever coverage you get, you know where to go with the ball. And that's not something you just learn in one year. That's something you have to develop over the years of experience that you have in college. And heck, if you even make the NFL, it's something you just take with you. And so that's probably the big thing that uh, as you grow as a QB and maturity is, is understanding defenses and understanding your offense and how it can beat every coverage. How much of a difference is it going to make for Ryan in this game that he's already had one true road start in the SEC and has that under his belt now? It's going to take a lot of the anxiety away. I know that playing on an away game, especially as a freshman, not in front of your home crowd, it puts a lot more pressure on you. Um, and you probably put a lot more pressure on yourself because you don't have those fans backing you up. And so, you know, honestly, just playing on a road environment in SEC is not an easy thing to do. And you don't expect someone as a freshman to go out there and have the best game of his life. You know, he, he stepped up at times in that game, and you saw the ability he has. Um, maybe the game wasn't as great as he wished it could have been. But he's got that out of the way now. 
and so he knows what the environment's going to be like um, on an away game. And so he knows what to expect now, and it's not going to be a surprise, and he won't have the anxiety that he had the first time, especially going to Missouri. So in terms of the rest of the team, in terms of the mentality going into this game, obviously you mentioned how tough it is going on a road environment and playing a team like Georgia that some people think is the best team in the country. Carolina is a 24-and-a-half-point underdog. Is that something, the line specifically, that players are aware of, or do y'all actually completely like block that out of the locker room? I'm, you know, we don't talk about it, but I, I'm sure, I'm sure that uh, players know about it. We all, I know I knew when stuff like that was happening. Like I would have friends. <laughs> I don't, actually, I'm not gonna say that. Actually, you know, I don't care. <laughs> I would have friends call me and be like, "Hey, do you think you guys are gonna cover the spread?" And I'd be like, "What's the spread?" And they'd tell me like, "Oh yeah, yeah, we're gonna cover for sure." Um, but I think it's the the players are aware of it, but no one really pays too much attention to it because, you know, as an athlete, as a competitor. You're like, you don't believe that. You know what you guys can do. And I don't know if we're going to get into it today, but the one thing that I, I will say that talking to some of the coaches, talking to the weightlifting coach, um, and just seeing what I'm seeing with the team, is this the whole mentality of physicality is seeing what it was the past three years and then seeing the mentality of physicality this year is completely different. I and mean, we out-physicaled pretty much every team we've played so far. Um, maybe not Missouri, but Kentucky, Bama. I, we looked really, really physical on both front lines, on the defensive line and the offensive line. And that's something that that's something that championship teams do. And, yes, we have a couple losses, but you see the progression that our offense and, the, um, our offense and defensive line are making with, you know, uh, buying into Muschamp's physicality mentality and – something that's going to be special that's something that's going to continue to grow and it's going to be part of the culture and that's why people may look at our record right now but i see what's happening on that on the front side of the o-line and the d-line and when those guys are playing with that kind of mentality that's when you start seeing the level of um the level of play increase on both sides of the ball as disappointing as that North Carolina game was to start the season, I think one of the things that's been fun in the last five weeks is to see how much this team has grown in confidence, you know, to, to your point about playing with more physicality. And specifically with this Georgia game, uh, you know, the only reason I asked about the spread was just a, a genuine curiosity because a lot of these players on Carolina that are going to be big factors in the game, you look at Brian Edwards, you look at Shai Smith, Ryan Helensky, you know, Javon Kinlaw and Zach Pickens and J.C. Horn, you know, all of those guys – could very well be teammates with these Georgia guys at the next level because this is a, there's a lot of NFL talent that's going to be on this field. So I don't, uh, I guess, believe for a second that these guys actually feel like they are a 24-point underdog. But when you have that part of the, I guess, the narrative, does that change your approach to the game in any way? No. Um, it, it, there will definitely be some game plan changes, though. You know, there's probably going to be uh, some trick plays maybe. Um, more aggressive play calling because, you know, everyone's aware of the, the team we're facing. Everyone's aware of how good they are. They understand the environment we're into. And, you know, sometimes you have to do stuff to take the crowd out of it. And that sometimes means taking a risk and doing a big play call. We, the thing is, we have the players. We have the ability. Um, you know, sometimes it hasn't gelled. Sometimes the execution hasn't been there. But it's not like we don't have the players. We have the players to, to do these great plays, these big explosive plays, and to execute them at a high level. And so what I think is going to happen is I think that they're going to go out there, they're going to probably have maybe a trick play, or they're going to call a more aggressive game plan to start just to get the crowd out of it. Um, that's what I think. I don't know what's actually going to happen, but I could see them doing that because we have that talent, like you're saying.
So you, you've segued perfectly into my next question because I'm I'm wondering, and this is something that I, I never know the right answer to, and, and you can really go back and forth, but in terms of being more aggressive, taking more chances versus, you know, just kind of staying in the game and, and trying to hang around, you know, it, it, I guess when you think about a surprise onside kick, maybe like South Carolina tried against Alabama, you know, if they get that, obviously there's huge upside, but when you don't get it, which is frankly the majority of the time on an onside kick, all of a sudden yeah. you've set them up with great field position, you lose a little bit of momentum. So in a game like this, it sounds like you lean a little bit more towards take chances and be more aggressive. Yeah, I would say so. Um, you can't get away from your game plan. And I think the aggressive nature is going to help out. Or it's it's going to be more effective because of our run game. Um, you know, last year when we tried doing this, I would say our run game wasn't as – it wasn't where it is today with our run game. And so with the um, with BMAC having the run game that he has right now, he's able to open it up a lot more. Um, because, you know, second and ten or first and ten – you know, second and ten, third and ten – those are a lot harder play calls than if it's second and five. You have the ability, you know, if it's a second and five after getting a five-yard run, to call those explosive plays um, because third and five is a lot more manageable than a third and ten or a second and ten. And so what I'm saying is that the reason that he'll probably call a more aggressive game plan is because we have the running ability to get us into better situations on second, third down. And so if we don't execute on that first down call, you know, a big shot or a second down call, we still have – the ability to get that first down and we're not just relying on those big shots, but not just having to rely on those big shots and being able to rely on the game is huge, but I could, you know, I'm kind of all over the place right now because there's so much I'm just thinking about because I can see him doing all this. But I, the reason I see him calling a more aggressive game plan is just because one, like I said before, he's going to try and get the crowd out of it. Two, we have the ability and when we do statistical breakdowns, and if you look at games outside of um, outside of the turnover margin, and you look at who had more explosive plays, like we measure uh, explosive plays based on uh, if explosive plays is a 20-yard pass, 20-plus yard pass, or a 10-plus yard run. And so when you look at who had more explosive plays, usually the team that won more explosive plays. So knowing that we're facing Georgia, they're going to try and be the one that has the more explosive plays executed because you know, shows that more often than not, the team that has those is the team that wins. And so they want to beat the team on the, on, the, uh, on the higher explosive plays end. So I said yesterday on my local show that this might be a game where Will Muschamp goes to Parker White and says, hey, you're only kicking extra points today. And then you go to Brian McClendon. Everything is four down territory. Uh, obviously, that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but is that what you're talking about in terms of aggressive mentality, or should South Carolina still be in a position where if they can get points, they should take them? You know, that, that's a tough thing, and that's something that Mushem has to figure out. I would say, you know, first down calls, he's going to be more aggressive to start it off, start the drive off. If we get a, if we get a turnover, go immediately into a big play and try it out. Um, and, yeah, I can definitely see that. If we're in iffy territory or we're in territory where we know our defenses can step up um, or, if, you know, we're on the 50-yard line plus we're in their territory, I could see Muschamp going for it on fourth down, you know, because he understands the severity of the game, how the magnitude of the game, and that sometimes we're going to need these plays to help us get over that hill to win this game. Um, not saying we don't have the talent alone to beat them, but when you're facing a team like a Georgia or a Bama, you saw Bama doing it against us. You know, it's not just how big the team is and how uh, highly ranked they are. You see that 
teams, when they're facing another good opponent, they sometimes need to do those um, those risky calls, which is going for it on fourth down or calling a shot on a first down and trying to see what happens if you can get the drive going. And so that's what I can see Muschamp doing and just because of the magnitude of the game. So you obviously played for a couple years under Steve Spurrier. You were recruited by Steve Spurrier and played the remainder of your career under Will Muschamp. Uh, I guess from the from from the players' perspective, how differently do the coaches approach that game in terms of the mentality week of a game like this against a team like Georgia? You know, the coaches are the ones that keep us kind of even keeled. Like, hey, this is just another opponent on the schedule. Don't look into who playing. Um, and so, you know, the players they'll definitely get caught up in the hype. Sometimes I know we would. Everyone's thinking we're playing Georgia or we're playing Bama. You know, you think about that stuff. And so the coaches. They do a really good job of making sure that everyone's kind of – they're not worrying about the opponent. They're worrying about what they can do out there on the field themselves. Um, because when you start worrying about someone else, you start with the opponent, that's when you don't actually get out of high level. And so that's, that's what the coaches really – that's their focus on the week is just making sure that we're not – we're focused on ourselves and not the opponent. So they both downplay it. There's not, there's not as much leaning into it because the <clears throat> players will already do that enough even if the coaches don't kind of push that narrative? Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. The, the the coaches aren't going to push that narrative, especially with Muschamp. Muschamp's big thing is, like, I mean, we focus on ourselves, and whoever's in our way is we're going to play them. So it doesn't matter what the, or who the opponent is. Um, the players definitely talk. You know, we know who we're playing. We know how big the opponent is. But, um, you know, we have the coaches in there. We And, you know, and then senior leaders also step up and, like, you know, guys, we need to focus on ourselves. We can't worry about them. But uh, it's inevitable that the players are going to talk about who we're playing. So you mentioned explosive plays earlier is something that generally is a good indicator of who wins and who loses the game. Is there anything else in terms of a, a number or, I guess, an individual performer that you would look to to say, if Carolina is going to pull off the upset on Saturday, Saturday, then this needs to be the ha- this needs to happen or this needs to be the margin? It's going to be turnover margin. Um, when you look at turnover margin, it's like I think it's over eighty or ninety percent. The team who has the um, the turnover margin in their favor is usually the winning team. And so we're going to have to put some pressure on, um, on from, and we're going to have to make sure that Ryan stays, you know, one thing that I like that I don't think people have discussed maybe have, is if you watch it, uh, the Bama game over again, you'll notice that Ryan made a lot of short throws. We kept the run game going and allowed him to ease into the game to where we started opening the playbook up. You know, that's one thing that I expect to see this week is that we allow Ryan to, you know, don't go out there and be the hero. We're going to get the game plan. We're going to keep it simple, and then we're going to start, um, you know, progressing into a more aggressive mindset. Or maybe they're going to start off with aggressive. But they want, you know, you want your freshman QB, especially in a hostile environment like that, to settle in, and you don't want to just throw them immediately into the fire. So if we can keep Ryan level-headed through the game and keep the game plan to where it's, he's comfortable with what's going on and the play calls being called, that's going to help with us not turning the ball over. And then our defense needs to – we need to put pressure on Fromm and have him make a mistake um, because you know, that turnover margin, really look at it, it's the biggest factor into who wins a game usually. Did you all ever talk about time of possession in offensive meetings? Um, we discuss it. I don't think it's a uh, as big of a factor as most people put. Um, like, you know, this this is a huge, huge factor in a game. I don't think we actually do that. Like, we – we discuss it, but I don't think it's a big deal. Because sometimes you'll see, um, you know, sometimes we'll go tempo offense and we'll be on the field for two minutes and they'll have a six-minute drive. And so it's it sometimes, it's not a good tell sometimes of how the game's going. 
It's a number that's really intrigued me, though, over the years because last year and so far this year, Carolina has lost the time of possession an unbelievable amount of times, and obviously they've won a lot of games where they've lost that time of possession, especially you saw last year, as explosive as they were at times with Jake Bentley finding Debo Samuel, you know, how many times for, for touchdowns. And I think the Missouri game the Missouri game was one of the closest games in, in, terms of, uh, in terms of time of possession, and obviously y'all were able to, uh, to win that. But I, I wonder in a game like this if that gets more emphasis because obviously the more time that Carolina's on the field, that's less time that Georgia has the ball, less opportunity they have to uh, build a lead. So I didn't know if that would be a discussion in a game like this. It could be, especially with Georgia being a run-heavy team. But, you know, they're going to eat up a lot of the clock, and so we probably don't want them on the field as much. Um, and so, but that's also another thing is like knowing they're a run-heavy team, uh, we might we might go out there and. Um, go fast and go explosive because we want to win that game and we want to get points on the board because we know every possession at that point is going to matter. Do you just enjoy watching Carolina games now or are you always analyzing it as if you were still the quarterback? Um, you know, it's funny. Now that I'm a, an ex-athlete, it's, uh, I actually really enjoy watching the games. But with that being said, I still analyze. I'm going to, and Perry and I, Perry and uh, Orson and I actually sit and watch all the games together. And so we'll go through and we'll be like, what coverage are they in? And then we kind of have a good idea what play call is being called. And so we'll analyze it still like we're QBs, but we're not. <laughs> That'd be a really fun conversation to sit in on. You'll need to buy a third seat wherever you are in the stadium and then just like auction it off to the highest bidder. Because I think a lot of people would like to just sit there and listen to you all kind of analyze the offenses. Especially with everyone thinking they're a coach, you know, or every every fan thinking they know more than they do. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, that's why we like to have uh, former players on here, especially guys like you and Perry that, you know, understand the offense so intimately, the ins and outs and the X's and O's. Uh, so I really appreciate you taking some time uh, for us today, Mike, to, to give us your thoughts on Georgia. Was there anything else uh, that you wanted to get to in terms of things that need to happen on Saturday for Carolina to pull off the upset? Turnover margin, explosive plays, obviously go out there and be confident. Anything else or any any player that you're keying in on? Probably, you know, the big thing I'm going to key on is the run game. Um, if we can establish a run, it's going to take a lot of the pressure off Ryan, and it's going to take a lot of pressure off what kind of play calls BMAC's going to be calling. Um, so if we can get the O-line, and I'm not too worried about that because we faced Bama, we faced Kentucky, we faced Missouri. We ran the ball well against all those teams. Um, and so if we can go out there and establish the run game, that's going to really help our offense out, and you'll see that that will help open up what's going on with the pass game. And so what I'm going to look for is how we establish the run game because if that's, if that's stagnant and it's not, and we're not getting any type of um, push on the O-line and the run game is just flat, then it's going to be kind of a telltale sign of like this may become a bad game. But that, that's my view. I think that if we can get the run game established, then it's going to be a good game for us, at least on offense. As much as everybody talks about spread offenses, spread this, spread that, especially in the SEC, it's still a game that's decided in the trenches running the football, and stopping the run. That's something I'm going to be looking for, too. Uh, Mike, thanks again so much for sharing your perspective and your expertise with us. I uh, hope the Georgia game goes well for you and all the other Gamecock fans watching, and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you real soon. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me on. That'll do it for today's episode of the Get Cocky Podcast. We'll be back on Monday to recap the Georgia game, talk to Will Helms about the advanced metrics, and check in on the best of social media from the weekend. Thank you guys again so much for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, share it with your friends. Y'all have a good weekend, and we'll talk to you Monday. Step into the world of power, loyalty, 
and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.